Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 249th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a swing path across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's happening, boys? Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be another great show. The coaching carousel is, is off and running. It is spinning, spinning, spinning. And, uh, you know, this, this type of, this type of show excites me, all the coaching movement. Uh, it's fun to talk about, fun to see new places, new faces. Um, you can find, uh, some more information about some of these coaches on my other show, coaching chatter. It's a, it's a brand new show. So, so check us out as we talk about some of these other guys, Matt, we had Josh Fisher on our show, uh, on our, la- on our latest episode. So yeah, y- y'all were talking Sark. Yeah. We talked about some Sark, man. And, uh, it, it was a great episode. So. Uh, but I'm ready to get into a legal motion. This is this is my OG. All right, all right. Well, uh, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who's cheating on us with another podcast tomorrow. It's our intrepid <laughs> blogger with Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I'm doing a live uh, recording of the dollop. Not personally, I'm watching it. It's some entertainment over Zoom. Good to keep occupied during uh, what's hopefully the home stretch now that the vaccines are starting to get out there. But uh, who knows? I do know something, though. Um, I- I'm confused, gentlemen. Didn't Jeremy Pruitt just sign an extension? Uh, he signed an extension all of, I think it was four months ago? Five months oh, ago? Something okay. like that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he, he, he extended the Hamburglar on yeah. his staff. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, w- w- was Grimace not available? No. Grimace okay. had already signed somewhere else, so he had to go for the Hamburglar. Bad move, in my opinion. Yeah, too bad. I, I, actually, I thought I thought Grimace was the athletic director. Oh, very oh, true. That, yeah. that, that is a very good point, Josh. This is why we keep you around. Yeah. Um, well, guys, we can't get started without reminding you that we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, it's the title game, conference title games this weekend for the NFL. Super Bowl is right around the corner. With any luck, knocking on some serious wood over here, uh, my Buffalo Bills will be playing in the Super Bowl for the first time since I was a wee lad. Um, you said wood. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you said we. <laughs> but if you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, NFL, NBA, the NHL is even back. The Australian Open's around the corner. European soccer is in full swing. BetOnline.ag is the best and only place to go ahead and lock in your bets. I'm excited about some upcoming Super Bowl props. Prop bets are probably my favorite part of any uh, any gambling action that takes place around the Super Bowl. Uh, I love it when there's always like a like an over and under like four and a half yards for the backup fullback if they'll get something like that. So. But no matter who your team is, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
So as I'm, Coach mentioned before, we typically do our coaching carousel, sh- carousel show uh, once a year, but it's usually around Black Monday. But because of COVID, you know, it delayed everything this year, including our annual game of musical coaching chairs. So with uh, considering all the bleep that's hitting the fan right now on uh, Rocky Top this week, we figured <laughs> it's as good a time as any to recap. All the hamburgers are hitting the fan. <laughs> uh, what's been going on with all the coaching games across the country, but we will start in Knoxville. On Tuesday, Jeremy Pruitt, nine other coaches, and athletic director Phil Fulmer, uh, they gone. Yeah, Uh, they gone. uh, Fulmer, quote-unquote, retired. Yeah, we all know what that means. Tired. Pruitt and uh, nine other, uh, nine assistants were let go for cause for a variety of uh, NCAA rules violations uh the poo poo platter if you will which is what you get if you eat too much mcdonald's uh if, if you are not in the know the reason we keep referencing mcdonald's is because it came to light that uh tennessee was paying off recruits by putting cash in mcdonald's bags amongst other things uh anyone around college football twitter uh, has seen the memes of flowing this week. It's been it's been very wonderful uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, there's been some great content that we've gotten out of it. Uh, and secondly, um, you know, I don't think any of us are shedding a tear for the volunteers. So, Coach, uh, obviously, we'll talk about you know who's gonna who we think could be in line to fill this gig next, but. What does this mean right now for the state of the volunteer program? Uh, it's in complete disarray. I mean, the entire team's in the portal. Uh, you've got a huge mess to pick up. You, you probably one backstop backstabber hired another backstabber um, to finish off the job, I guess, on Jeremy Pruitt. But this, you know, this whole situation's been a mess for a while. And now that now that I reflect on the season, and now that all this has come to light some other actions that Jeremy Pruitt has done are starting to make sense now. Like he fires a defensive line coach mid-game. You know, that's very uncharacteristic of any coach. Usually, um, you know, when you fire a coach, it's just, you know, heat of the moment. Hey, you're fired, and then rehired five minutes later when, when, you're, when your players do well. But um, he actually legitimately fired the guy on the sideline and said, hey, t- pack your stuff and go home. And it, it uh, you know, the pressure was getting to him, you, you, you know, Something was brewing, and about a month ago, the investigation really kicked into high gear, and um, from that moment on, as soon as I knew that they were poking around, I was like, well, Jeremy Pruitt's going to be gone. It's just, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. They're going to, you know, when they start digging, they're going to find something, and, and oh, they found something. And uh, one of the highlights from the uh, from the press conference on Tuesday was uh, they asked Phil Fulmer um, what was, you know, you know, what were some of the positives from the Jeremy Pruitt era, and he said... Get this. I can't make this up. He said, recruiting. He recruited very well. Well, no shit. Pardon uh, part my, <laughs> my Italian. Yeah, you just you just fired your entire recruiting staff plus two assistant coaches because they were handed out cash in McDonald's bags. Of course you're going to recruit well. And uh, just for the record, no, they didn't recruit well. They cheat. They, they can't even cheat right, man. They, they cheat and win three games, man. If you're going to cheat, at least like win an SEC title and, and <laughs> enjoy the feeling of winning the SEC before at they least take go it away. 500 in the SEC. Yeah, at least don't get blown out by everybody you play, embarrassingly, and dress up like a penis 
on your uh, on the sideline. You know that sorry excuse for a face covering. Um, I mean, it, Tennessee is is gone beyond the punchline, and it's actually just kind of sad when you look at it. You're just like God Almighty, this is it's. I didn't think it'd get any worse. It's gotten a lot worse. And I didn't think it'd get worse uh, when they hired Jeremy Pruitt in that whole coaching search mess. I was like, okay, surely they're beyond that now. Nope, I was wrong. It's it's bad. And, and the entire team is like, man, screw this place. <laughs> I'm gone. Well, and I don't blame them. On top of that, you know, when he was hired three years ago, I think we all sort of said the same thing about him. He's, you know, he's known to be a good recruiter. Well, now we really know why, but yeah. he's he he's decision making is suspect. And <clears throat> Josh, I think that that suspect decision making played out not only on the field but clearly off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's really only one major rule that gets you into super mega trouble, and we've seen it really you know, since SMU in the eighties and it's shenanigans during recruiting. It's what got Miami. It's what got egregious shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's what got USC. Um, I mean, last time I checked, they never resolved the academic scandal at North Carolina. Once they're there, they don't care about grades. They don't care about any of that stuff. It's just keeping the illusion of amateur athleticism going and, Luring athletes with payment is uh, antithetical to the NCAA's aim of maintaining the illusion of amateurism. Yeah, so, only, only the universities, the conferences, and the NCAA yeah. as a governing body itself and the television networks yeah. can make money off the athletes, not the athletes yeah. themselves. And, God and, forbid. I mean, and look, I mean, the, maybe They're this is super amateurs. cynical. Yeah, th- this might be super cynical, but uh, I have a feeling whether it was Pruitt doing the cash or someone on a staff and he turned a blind eye, what they're doing is what most schools are doing. They're just stupid enough to get caught. They're just stupid enough to get caught is what it is. It's yeah. not that other schools aren't doing this. Yeah. Like, Hence would, the word egregious. Yeah. <laughs> it's and the fact that they got it's the fact that they got caught. It's the fact that they got caught by doing it so brazenly. And just so, in such an outrageously stupid method, is what makes this so, it, it, it's so comical, quite frankly. It almost seems orchestrated, too, guys. It almost seems orchestrated by Fulmer. I mean, how does he get out of here lily white and, and unscathed? It, it, it seems a bit fishy. Oh, I, don't, I don't think he's getting out of here lily white. I think that he was basically told that... He has to. Uh, he has to. He, he was forced into retirement out of this. Yeah, to keep his name clean. So he he's forever going to be clean. I use that in air quotes. I mean, is he though? Like the fact it all dropped on the we same all day. know, we, but we officially don't know. We, we we all know he's not. I mean, so. that's not. Yeah, you know, he he's a. He's I, the I think that's the, I think that's neither here nor there. Quite frankly, at this point. But I think what adds though to the, you know. <laughs> sad state of it and by sad i mean the awkwardly comical element is what coach said he's leaving with a sub 500 record it's like he couldn't even cheat right 
It's ridiculous. It's so bad. He, he, he has like a 400 winning percentage in conference. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, though, if I'm Tennessee. I think it's so late in the game to get anybody. And, you know, uh, some, but, do you think anyone's going to want to come there? Well, that's I the mean, other. That's the other thing. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the other thing. You'll see Tennessee sh- fans talk about Jamie Chowell and being like, "Oh, he's from the state of Tennessee. He's great. He's at not coastal." That job. Yeah, just take your lumps, promote Kevin Steele, wait till you have a real athletic director and not an old ex coach who doesn't really know what he's doing, and go from there. And at the very least, Steele will give you two, maybe three years. Of stability, um, he might have a terrible record. He had a bad record at Baylor, but that's kind of like the worst case. The best case is Auburn came really close to hiring Kevin Steele. Maybe in the last twenty years, from when he was last a head coach, he's learned some stuff and will be better his second time around. I don't think anybody has any expectations of Tennessee at no. this point. No, I mean, they they're can't. About, they're about to get hammered. No. And today, and, today alone. They just need to survive. Today alone, their top rusher, Eric Gray, in the portal. Their number two rusher already left via the portal, Ty Chandler. Their top two linebackers, uh, uh, Henry Toto, who is an all-SEC type talent, and uh, Kaveris Crouch. Um, who's a super versatile linebacker, former like top fifty recruit in the country? Uh-huh. There in the portal, starting left tackle Jaheim Johnson in the portal. I mean, these dudes are leaving in droves. Um, Big Cat Bryant, who they just got in the portal via uh, from Auburn. I'm now hearing that he may no longer be trying to transfer to Tennessee. Wouldn't blame him there. So no. it's gonna be. It's going to be really, really rough for Tennessee this year. I agree. I'm surprised they didn't promote T. Martin, who is their offensive coordinator and assistant. You know, there's a name floating around. He he has just entered SEC country. He has a little bit of experience with the team that's been decimated like this. Gus Bus? No. (laughs) Bill O'Brien. Oh. You remember he stabilized Penn State. He didn't do anything special at Penn State. But he stabilized him and kind of set the table for James Franklin. He turned Christian Hackenberg into an oh yeah, Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> yeah, um. it, I mean it, it doesn't. <laughs> honestly, if he takes over Tennessee, it doesn't matter what he does record wise. It doesn't matter. It just matters if he gets them stable enough to to be able to recruit when they finally get off sanctions. Yeah, one guy I'm hearing is Gerard Mayo, the former linebacker at Tennessee, who's been on the Patriots nice staff player. for a couple of years. He's still pretty green. I don't know how that would go. And I don't think it matters. I mean, you this is the time. This is the period in time where if there's somebody you want to try out as a head coach, try him out and see what they're made of. Like, if you want to promote T. Martin, now's the time to do it. You have no like. You're at rock bottom. You can't really. I mean, I don't think you get really any worse. Well, can you? I think on the flip side though is. Let's say you think T. Martin has any sort of future. If he starts out his head coaching career with 30 losses in three seasons, which is totally possible, it's just going to torpedo him. He's not going to be able to recruit anybody. It's just going to get the ball rolling of when they fire him. So I think part of it is they need to – 
And I it, think, again, that's why Kevin Steele might be a good fit because he's already taken his lumps 20 years ago at Baylor. He doesn't care about true. what happens to his record. His record's like 9-30 and 30 or whatever it is. 9-37. and 37. In that case, hire Gene Chizik. <laughs> um, hey, Gene Chizik has a national title. I don't know how, but... Oh, I, I do know how. Um, yeah, you, they, you want they, to talk about <laughs> dropping the bag for recruits. Yeah, they were egregious and somehow still didn't get caught. Crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know... Kevin still might be the best fit to, to get him through this mess. Bill O'Brien might be the best fit. Call back Butch Jones, brick by brick, baby. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Tennessee fans are clamoring for Hugh Freeze. They're saying hire oh, Hugh Freeze. I, I've seen Tennessee cl- fans clamoring for Lane Kiffin. It, it ain't happening, guys. <laughs> it ain't happening. No. I, a friend of mine, I, I was, uh, he's an old Miss fan. I, I was, I was poking fun at him a little bit, saying Lane trained to, to Knoxville next stop. And he said, he said back to me, he goes, there's a better chance of Tennessee dropping down to SCS than Lane Kiffin coaching that team again. Which I don't know at this rate, they might be, they might drop. I don't know. Um, But anyway, it's a mess. You cheat and have a sub 500 record. You're not a head coach, Jeremy Pruitt. Next, he's going to get a show cost slapped on him too. So it's Mm -hmm. not like he can coach in college. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Riley Niblett down at Hoover will give give you your defense coordinator job back. I don't know. We'll see about that. We'll see. Or about maybe that. maybe he can go uh, reunite with Rush Probst down in Valdosta. Uh, even at Valdosta, though, I think you still have to. I still still think it's a show cause thing, even if it's FCS. High school. Oh, I was thinking. I thought I thought you were talking about Valdosta State. No, Valdosta. I would have said Valdosta State. Uh, no, Valdosta High School. Yeah, if you go anywhere in the NCAA. Yeah. So he could I, go NAI. He could go to like Lindsey Wilson or somewhere like that because that's a different governing body. <laughs> when you're once you're in NAIA and uh, once you're in the, the uh, um, JUCO territory, oh how the mighty have fallen. Maybe uh, our, our friend Jason Brown can uh, call him up, get him on staff. They're friends, sort of. I think. Uh, um, I think it's closer he, to frenemies. I don't know what they are. Uh, he said he liked them. I don't know. Um, Probably recruited a few of his kids at uh, at Indy. So, yeah, maybe, maybe they can get on the uh, JUCO circuit together. I mean, they'd probably run the JUCO circuit, but they probably. I mean, um, they would be nice. Be a nice fit for for. Jim. All right, that's enough time on, uh, on on Tennessee. We need to move forward because we have uh, we, we've got thirteen of the schools that have already filled their vacancies um, uh, in the offseason, and we're going to start. We're going to stick in the SEC and go from there. Uh, we will head. Uh, a little bit south southwest of Knoxville and head on over to Auburn, Alabama. The Gus bus finally ran out of gas uh, after I think it was eight seasons um, on the plains. Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn finishes with a record of 68 and a 35. That's 39-27 in conference. To replace him, Auburn has gone with Brian Harson uh, from Boise State who uh, owns a career record of 76 and 24 and 50 and 10 in conference. We talked about this uh, a fair bit a couple weeks ago in one of our other shows, so I don't want to get into this too, too much. Um, but I, I guess for me, we, we all sort of saw the writing on the wall for Gus. Just the boosters at Auburn and him just never quite seemed to click. 
but coach, what I'm curious as, is for you to talk about is how Harson has filled out his staff and how you think Harson will adapt to life in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough adjustment for life in the SEC. I mean, it's not an easy thing um, to come from Mountain West to 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 SEC, especially if you don't have much experience, even as an assistant. Um, but what I do think he did was. Um, even though they're probably not going to blow you away and and uh, you know and be overly impressive, but I, I think the two coordinator hires were very important because, um, yeah, is, is Mike Bobo going to have full command of the offense? Probably not, because Brian Harrison is a is a uh, offensive guy, and you know Mike Bobo is is a bit antiquated right now. Maybe he adjusts. Maybe those two work together. Maybe they make a good pairing. I don't know. Um, but it's not one of those, oh, we hired Mike Bobo. We got the next innovative offensive coordinator. That's not what that hire was about. That hire was about this guy knows this league. He has he has great ties in this area, South Alabama, Southwest Georgia, you know, that whole area. You know, he is like that. That's his wheelhouse. That in the state of North Carolina somehow. Um, is his wheelhouse, and then you then you then you come back, and he's had head coaching experience as an interim uh, at South Carolina just recently. Then, as your defensive coordinator, you hire somebody who was once well respected um, in the defensive ranks, uh, coming from Stanford. Um, despite what you may think about uh, about Price, they still uh, not Price. I keep saying Price. Uh, Shaw, David Shaw. Um, Derek Mason was still well-respected. Plus, he's been a head coach in this league as well. He knows the SEC now at this point being head coach at Vanderbilt. He brings him on the staff. Uh, Bobo and Harson know each other from uh, battling in the Mountain West when when Bobo was, was uh, at Colorado State. So there's some familiarity with that. I think hiring these coordinators and hiring some of these staff guys, he's getting that SEC experience, on you know, within his staff. Those guys can help bring him along in the conference and make that learning curve a little less steep, which is why I like the hires. I, I, I don't like the hires. Like I think, do I think there's a bunch of better offensive coordinators out there that he could have hired? Yeah, absolutely. Same with defensive coordinators. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, but I think the implications of what else they bring outside of just scheme uh loom very very large with within uh within that team room there so i think he did a great job on his hires uh will friend is a great offensive line coach tracy rocker uh auburn alum uh a really good defensive line coach uh spent some time at georgia didn't really click with kirby smart um uh, but that doesn't make him a bad coach it just makes him not a great fit at georgia um and of course he uh he flamed out at tennessee but knowing what we know about tennessee it's probably more of the the institution than it was the coach. So uh, he's doing a great job hiring staff. I mean, I think he's doing all the right things. I think he's pressing all the right buttons so far. Uh, now we just got to see if that translates on the field. Josh, any, any thoughts on Auburn? Well, you know, Derek Mason, it's been a long time since he's looked like a competent coach. And Corey, I know you're, you've got those ties with Bobo and you're going to defend him, but you just – you look at his tenure, it's just not impressive the last few years. You mentioned his offense is a little antiquated. When you read his profile for Auburn, it's hilarious. They're talking about 2016, and 
Uh, the the Rams offense fueled to a late season surge. He didn't talking hire about, him for offense. Yeah, talking about talking <laughs> he about the, for recruiting. Yeah, talking about the last few uh, games. I looked it up, including in their uh, their last few games that season. Uh, they played a uh, four win UNLV team and a one and eleven Fresno State team. Well, that that helps boost your offense. I also love this. It highlights he helped mold four. First round NFL draft choices. Um, uh, two came in 2009 and one came in 2011. The most recent one was Todd Gurley six years ago. So uh, call me skeptical. It's not a very impressive staff from where I'm sitting. Um, and I just I don't see Brian Harrison fit in the SEC. I don't know. Maybe he'll prove us wrong, but um, I didn't. You know, I, I was I gave the hire like a C, and I said it could definitely bump up higher when we see what he fills in his staff. And I'm thoroughly unimpressed with that staff that he assembled. Yeah, I'm. I I think that I I think the positives of Bobo in terms of recruiting um, are sort of uh, negated or at least offset by his actual offensive play calling. I mean, South Carolina's offense last year was just god-awful to watch. It was ugly, man. It was not nothing I would want to see. And then Derek Mason, for being a defensive mastermind, I watched every snap of Vanderbilt this year. Dude, like, I mean, yes, they don't have all the athletes to necessarily compete game in and game out, but the schemes were atrocious. The schemes were absolutely atrocious. So, uh, speaking of Vanderbilt, let's head over to the west end of Nashville and talk about Derek Mason's replacement. Derek Mason, after seven seasons of going uh, 27 and 55, that's uh, for you math nerds out there, that means he averaged four wins, uh, less than four wins per season, including zero wins this year. Uh, he went 10 and 46 in conference. That's right, in seven seasons, he won 10 conference games. He never had a winning season. Finally, they bit the bullet, and they got rid of Mason um, and hired uh, Vanderbilt alum Clark Lee, who is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Clark Lee, no head coaching experience, but he, like we said, he's a Vandy alum. And yes, I said he's a defensive coordinator, but he played offense in college. He was a fullback. He was originally a walk-on who earned a scholarship. If you want to know more about Clark Lee's past, uh, I'm going to plug my show, uh, Believe in Vanderbilt Football. Uh, Ryan and I talked to his former teammate uh, and NFL offensive lineman and now high school coach in the Nashville area, uh, Justin Geisinger, about playing with Clark Lee, who the kind of man and kind of person he is and uh you know clark has ties to nashville i mean he went to mba one of the most prestigious high schools montgomery bell academy one of the most prestigious high schools in in and around nashville just living here in the city coach i mean even during these COVID times you can feel that there has been sort of a revitalization and a newly invigorated energy in the program with the hiring of coach lee I think that this, all things considered, we talked about this on the show as well, so I don't want to take too long, but given the circumstances, given the school, given the position, given all of the constraints that it takes to be Vanderbilt football, 
they did about as well as they could possibly do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, I think it's a, it's going to be a great fit. He's a local guy. He has pride in the job. Uh, he's an alum. So, I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think necessarily – I mean, you know, it's Vanderbilt, so, you know, you got to take – you know, you got to take whatever that is uh, for what it's worth. But I think that there's very few people in this world that probably views that doesn't view Vanderbilt as a stepping stone job. Clark Lee is one of those people that don't view it as a stepping stone job. I think he has a lot of pride in, in, in Vanderbilt. I think he has a lot of pride in what he's got. And I think, honestly, I think he's in this for the long haul. And obviously, if Alabama comes in and swoops in and offers him $11 million a year, that's kind of hard to turn down. But um, you know, for the most part, I think he wants to stay at Vanderbilt. He wants to build Vanderbilt and, and he's doing a good job of that so far. Um, and, and, and doing the best that he can with hiring the best people that he can, um, around him, people that he trusts. And I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great fit. I think people are going to see this renewed energy. Is it going to translate into wins? Maybe not in year one. Um, but it's, it, it's going to eventually, you're going to see it build. So if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, you know, you know, you're, you're sitting here uh, with an atrocious, winless season uh, full of embarrassing moments uh, that made it even worse than uh, just going 0-10 uh, or 0-9 or whatever because y'all didn't uh, – I don't think yeah, – 0-8. So there's two games you, you just flat-out canceled. Um, you know, just the embarrassment alone of going 0-8, not to mention there was embarrassing moments and you lost games in embarrassing fashion. So as a Vanderbilt fan – you don't really have a direction other than up to go. So why not be patient? And you've got a guy who understands what Vanderbilt is and understands that it's a, it's going to be a project to build that program up. So I think Clark Lee has done a, you know, I think he's going to be the right guy. Um, And he's been around. uh, He's been in some great programs. Most, most recently Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. And, and, you know, I think he's, he's going to fit. He's going to do a good job. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him uh, before, and I kind of ran through his his resume, and he's worked for some really impressive coaches out there. For Vanderbilt, what they're looking for is they're recreating what Northwestern did, hire a young alum and hope it clicks. And, you know, what's helped... Pat Fitzgerald be as good as he is, is same as Harrison. It's, it comes down to the staff. You, you know, you can't do it alone. And one of the things that you see with Northwestern staff is they had some incredible coordinators and just recently retired for 12 years. Fitzgerald's right-hand man running that defense is defensive coordinator Mike Hankowitz. And you know, the that name might not pop. People might not know who he is. Like ten people know who he is. Yeah, but but Hankowitz Hankowitz has been coaching for fifty years and he was a part of four hundred victories over his lifetime as a defensive coordinator. Um he was with the great Colorado teams in the eighties and nineties. Um he was at Wisconsin for a few with, years. Yeah, with Barry. Yeah, I, I mean that's what's going to help. That's what's going to help Clark Lee, is you know he's going to be that rah rah guy. He's going to be the guy that has that energy and will get some more money into the program. That's what Fitzgerald's done. 
Uh, he's going to be a guy who knows his X's and O's, hopefully. I think he will, and that's definitely helped Fitzgerald. But then get some incredible coordinators, and the staff he assembles over his career at Vanderbilt is going to be what can propel them. And I mean, it's it's not, you know, Vanderbilt I know is such a, uh, a laughing sock, but it's not that long ago that James Franklin won back-to-back nine games, 2012 and 2013. Like, this is a place that you can win. There are constraints. It is not going to be easy. It's going to be just like Northwestern is in the Big Ten or Stanford in the Pac-12. But there is possibilities. It's just he's got to take advantage of it, and hopefully he does. Yeah, hopefully he does. Um, I, nothing then, would make nothing would make me more excited than to see Vanderbilt beat Alabama in an SEC title game. Hey, that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun for me on a, a multitude of levels. Probably uh, less certainly fun for, probably less fun for coach because that means the doors beat the dogs along the way. Yeah, that that's true. But um, if there's any team out there that beats Georgia uh, that that deserves to be in an SEC championship, it is Vanderbilt. Um, if it's tennis, well, we don't have to worry about Tennessee for a while, but if it's Florida, uh, you kill me now. Um, you say that now coach, but, uh, very soon you'll have a frosty relationship like Matt and I do with Northwestern. Yeah. You say that now. Uh, one, one last thing about, uh, well, maybe about, I look forward to that about <laughs> Vanderbilt before I move on to our last sec team. They retained one position coach on staff that I think was crucial. Javon Hay. I don't know if any of you guys know who Javon Hay is. He's a Vanderbilt guy through and through. I like that. He's the defensive line coach. The only position that was really good on this year's team was the defensive line. Uh, They're going to have two NFL draft picks from the defensive line. He is a Vanderbilt man through and through, and he is uh, just someone who is universally respected and beloved by the team and the program, and that was a fantastic, fantastic move to keep Coach Hay in the building. All right, let's move over to South Carolina. Uh, Will Muschamp got uh, spurred in his Gamecock uh, after going 28 and 30. Uh, that's 17 <laughs> and 22 in conference uh, over the span of uh, hair less than five seasons. He is being replaced by Shane Beamer. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, well, uh, his papa was an okay coach, uh, but this is his first head coaching his job. His papa invented special teams. Wait, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, his made it uh, cool at least. Yeah, his old man made special teams cool. Uh, but most recently, uh, he was the uh, Shane was the assistant head coach and tight ends coach at the University of Oklahoma. Special teams coordinator too, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Josh. And uh, so how do we feel about South Carolina going with uh, the unproven entity that is Shane Beamer? I'll jump in on this. <laughs> um, Go ahead. I, at first glance, I was like, okay. I mean, they were decisive in making the hire. Maybe he impressed a few folks, but I'll be real quick, Josh. And uh, since then, he is, uh, let's just say his uh, his ability to keep uh, staff members on board is a little bit suspect. Um, I, I think he's just uh, he's a parking lot for for Auburn University. So just keep that in mind. 
So very disappointed uh, in the most recent events happening at South Carolina. All right, Josh, floor is yours. Well, I mean, got to be a little curious about some of these hires so far. Um, you got Pete Lembo, special teams coordinator and associate head coach. Uh, he definitely feels SEC ready considering in his career, um, the biggest school he's been at is Maryland <laughs> going on five years ago. Um, he's the head coach at ball state before that. I mean, not exactly, uh, you know, a coach that I would say is uh, too impressive. Uh, their defensive coordinator, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just basing it on my snap ju- judgment. But Clayton White, their defensive coordinator, last three years he's been at Western Kentucky. I don't recall Western Kentucky doing too much. I feel like they probably didn't have a very good defense. They gave up a lot of points. I thought. <laughs> yeah. I felt like. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, he's not uh, off to a good start. Um, uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. He's he's off to a terrible start. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny is, you know, maybe maybe the marriage will work. But just for poetic element and for, like, making all the fan bases happy, um, hello, Virginia Tech, why didn't you pull the cord on Justin Fuente? And bring in the legend son. Now, I know South Carolina was excited when they hired Shane Beamer, and I know Shane Beamer has ties to that South Carolina program, but um, just not the uh, not the sexiest start, to say the least. Yeah, I I, I honestly we we don't. There's so much we don't know about this one. So, um, and you know, for time's sake, we should probably keep moving forward, Coach. But yeah, uh, like I think you said, this is not really been a great hire i mean i think right right now this is kind of like a c if i was to give it a grade right now it, it's a c and, and trending really fast to an f yeah it really <laughs> is so it, it's moving really fast in that direction um well let's head over that that takes care of the sec let's head on over to the big 12 uh only one job there uh changed hands and that was uh arguably the most uh prominent job if not the best job uh that is the university of texas tom herman was finally exposed for being the fraud that he is after four seasons uh i've been beating that drum (laughs) yeah i mean if you've been listening to this podcast for as long as we've been doing it josh has been saying that for five years josh has been spot on about david Beatty (laughs) and tom herman yep Well, Beatty's my boy. He, he got me that, that win. He, he got you the most impressive win that any of us have ever seen. Yes. Um, Sark, after going 32-18 and 18 overall, 22-13 and 13 in conference, is gone. Tom, Tom Herman is gone, and he's replaced by the offensive coordinator, uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, from Alabama. Um, on our notes, uh, I, I've written that uh, previous to his stop at Alabama, he was a member at Alcoholics Anonymous, Oops. and um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was a the low hanging low fruit, blow. low hanging fruit. But to be fair, uh, given his tenure at uh, the way his tenure at USC ended, uh, it, it's appropriate, um, and he has really turned things around. 
uh, quite frankly, it, it, it appears, because he was one of the most highly sought-after coaches in the country. As, as a head coach at Washington and at USC, he compiled a record of 46-35, and 35, going 31-26 in conference. But that was pre-Saban finishing school for coaches. Josh, do you think we will get, uh, A, a different result than we had f- during his tenure at USC in Washington? B, a different result than Texas had with Tom Herman? Or C, will it be the same dumpster fire that Texas has been ever since Mac Brown left? Ooh, a lot to unpack there. So um, his offensive acumen is unimpeachable. Like, we know they're going to be really good schematically on offense. Now, will they have the athletes? Will they have the pieces? I mean, when you've got Devontae Smith, it makes everything even easier. They won't year one, but they are the University of Texas. Exactly. So the optimistic Texas fan would answer the way Coach just did, which is rightfully so. So the results could be really good. Um, the bigger picture stuff though, is as the head coach, you can't just be 100% focused on offense and then just ignore the other stuff. So what is he like as a CEO? We don't have much evidence on that. We've got, you know, his time at Washington and one year and five games at USC, uh, his Washington tenure, yes, he comes in after Tyrone Willingham when the program was bad, uh, but he, you know, never really got them over the hump. And it's became very apparent that, like, this is a place you can win at if you see what Chris Peterson did. Um, and his USC tenure, nine and four his first year, then fired his second year. So these S- the CEO stuff, we're unsure about. Um. The boosters at Texas, though, are just, it's insane. The way Texas puts so much pressure on their coaches. I mean, there was a coach like 50, 60 years ago that retired immediately after the bowl game and and he never coached another football game. And his reason was basically like, you guys are putting all this pressure on me. And this is the 1950s. This is even before... It's a billion-dollar industry, and it's even before there's a Longhorn Network and Texas is supposed to be God's gift to football. Or Texas is back. Yeah. So Sark's going to have an insane amount of pressure on him, and we don't know how it's going to go. So um, the the ceiling's really high because his offenses are incredible. So if he gets a good defensive staff, if he turns out to be a good CEO, then yeah, he could be, he could recreate what Mac Brown did. He could even be better than Mac Brown for all we know. Um, But the pressure element, it's brought down plenty of coaches at Texas. It's brought down plenty of coaches at other schools as well, but especially Texas. And this is even before you get into um, what is a very real concern. I mean, what leads people to return to substances when they have a substance abuse problem, when they have an addiction? It's usually stress. Well, I mean, 
at Alabama, he got to call plays for a world-class offense and have Nick Saban absorb every amount of stress within that program. He doesn't have that at Texas. So uh, I wish him the best. Obviously, we don't want any relapse situation. Uh, We don't want him to fall off the wagon. We want nothing but the best for him. But it's a... It's a risky hire for Texas based on not really producing that much at Washington. And it's a risky job for Sark based on all the pressure he's going to be under. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's a risky hire with, uh, you know, a circumstance that is, you know, very, very unknown still. uh, Because the last time he was a head coach, he was drunk on the sideline. And so... I mean, he truly did hit rock bottom when it comes to that. So, and and substance abuse is something that is is a very very serious thing, and it's and it's, I mean, it's addiction. I mean, it's addiction, and it could strike you and bite you at any point. And uh, things like stress, or or the, or the party life, or like being young, immature, and rich, and and having the world at your fingertips in Los Angeles, you know, those things are triggers. And he's going to get an element of that, too, in Austin because Austin is a party town. So, you know, you, you hope that that element doesn't uh, d- doesn't come back and bite him in the you know, in the rear end. But as far as, like, scheme-wise, uh, as soon as he can get some of his players there, I, I think he's going to, A, he's going to find a way to utilize some of the people that are already there. Um, and, and then, B, uh, I think he can uh, scheme and, and get those guys in advantageous situations. Defensively, I think he is circling in on uh, Pete Kowatowski, I think, if he hasn't already made that hire. Kwiatkowski. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's a, that's a name I'm never going to get right. Like Kind of like DJ Ungilalele. It's just not going to happen. It's just Ungilalele. Just, just, just keep me here for all the pronunciations. Yeah, it, 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 it's a wrap. So when, when, it comes to, when it comes to names, uh, it, it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of names that, that – that get me. Yeah, that's one of them. So um, defensively, I think he, you know, if, if he hires him, I, I think that's going to be a good, good fit for him. Um, you know, I, I think that when you take your lumps as a head coach, right, uh, things that didn't work for him at Washington, things that didn't work for him at, at USC, and then you combine those with things that did work, some of the things that he did do well, and then you take them all, you reflect on them as an analyst. So you're sitting there watching from you know, way 30,000 feet view of Nick Saban. And then, you know, you you then get put in the pressure cooker of the offensive coordinator job for Saban. Even though you're not getting outside pressure, there's immense pressure from the boss man, Nick Saban, uh, because you're one one public chew-out session away from from falling off the wagon. So um, he did a good job of holding up under that pressure. But um, I, I think that there's a lot, to be learned as far as process goes. I think there was a lot of growing up and maturity uh, that Sark went through. So I, I think that if you measure it up against his time against Washington and USC, I think this experience will be way better. Now, what that means for Texas, I have no idea. You know, I'm not saying that's going to translate into national titles and he's going to be the best coach in, in Texas history because he's going to be improved on his uh, on his last two head coaching experiences. But I do think he's going to be better because, A, he's going to be more mature. B, hopefully he took a copious amount of notes uh, at Alabama with Nick Saban. 
Um, so I, I think year one, you've got to be patient while he gets his people in. Uh, Texas fans aren't patient, but they got to be um, going through what they've been through with uh, the end of Mac Brown, uh, Charlie Strong, and now Tom Herman. I, I think you have to give this guy a chance. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be some things that Sark's going to have to do early on to win that trust. Um, it's not going to just be given to him, but he has he does have to earn it. Uh, I think he'll ultimately do well if they're patient. Um, I'm just not sure if he's going to get enough time. Yeah, it's Texas, though. They'll 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 write him off midway through the first quarter. <laughs> the first game, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's bad, but um, you know, maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll get behind Sark. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm rooting for Sark. I, I think that having a having Texas as a strong team in the Big Twelve will be good. Uh, to hopefully help neutralize uh, Oklahoma. Their first game of the year against a team that ended in the top 25. There you go. Hey, Louis- other- Louisiana Raging Cajun. Yeah, heck yeah. Some other coaching news, just so you know. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Football Scoop right now. Antonio Pierce, uh, former uh, New York Giant, former Long Beach Poly head coach, uh, is now the defensive coordinator and associate head coach and recruiting coordinator at Arizona State. And Marvin Lewis um, is taking the role of special assistant to the head coach at Arizona State. Just so you know, All right. they, they're just they are just gathering former NFL guys left and right. There, they're just trying to play to win the game. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of winning or not winning with a former NFL coach, uh, the Illinois <laughs> Fighting Illini have. Uh, Showing that there is just no more love to give with Lovey Smith uh, after uh, after five seasons, going seventeen and thirty nine, ten and thirty three in conference, they have said no moss to the former Chicago Bears coach, and have called up from the hog farm, uh, last seen in the tunnel at Arkansas Stadium, Brett Bielema, uh, his pedigree in the Big Ten at Wisconsin. Uh, his 97 and 58 overall career record, 48 and 48 in conference, but his Big Ten record was obviously much better than his SEC record. Uh, Josh, quite frankly, I think this is a pretty darn good hire for the Illini, all things considered, considering that our old friend Bert, you know, while he does have his idiosyncrasies and he does, he, he is a buffoon at times. He can coach and he can coach in the Big Ten. He can win in the Big Ten, and he will he will bring some defense for an Illinois team that hasn't had a strong defense for a while. Yeah, and I mean, it, just to highlight just Illinois football, since there's a reason most people probably don't know too much about Illinois football, but um, they the had galloping the ga- ghost ain't coming yeah. through those doors. Yeah, I mean, they had one of the best, Robert Zubke, nineteen thirteen to nineteen forty one, best coach. They ever had winning this coach, uh, six eighteen win percentage. Uh, since he left, they have, had Red Grange. He had, yeah. Red Grange is one of like the five greatest uh, football players of the first half of the twentieth century. Um, since he left, they had three coaches be five hundred or better, and one was his immediate replacement, and that's Ray Elliott, and he stopped coaching in nineteen fifty nine. So that means since nineteen fifty nine, they've just had two coaches over five hundred. Uh, both were in the 80s, Mike White and then John Makovich. But uh, Makovich only 
coached there a few seasons before. I thought you said John Malkovich, and I was thinking, <laughs> oh, yeah. was there a movie about <laughs> Illinois football that John starring John Malkovich? Uh, no, he, yeah, John Malkovich uh, coached there a few years, and then he took the Texas job, uh, and then he eventually went up to Arizona when Texas didn't work out. So uh, since the eighties, it's been it's been bizarre. Uh, Lou Tepper, four fifty six. Ron Turner, 380. Ron Zook, 400. Both Turner and Zook had very similar tenures where they started and ended with like winless or one win seasons, but in the middle went to a Rose Bowl. Um, And then things got even worse. Ron Zook's replacement, Tim Beckman, only lasted three seasons. He got fired for abuse allegations towards his players. He got fired for cause. Yeah. And then they had an interim coach. Um, they gave Bill Cubitt one year and then got Lovey Smith. And so Lovey Smith comes into an absolutely horrible situation. And the biggest thing he did was he stabilized things. He coached with class, he coached with dignity. Um, and ultimately, he didn't get enough wins. But I think he has enough of a foundation that he left behind for getting this thing back on track that a little bit better college coach um, can turn things around. Now, Burt Bielema has a hell of a resume. Um, He's back in the Big Ten. Big Ten probably favors his coaching style more than the SEC does. So this is this is an intriguing hire, and I'll tell you who this really hurts is Nebraska, because <laughs> Nebraska's turnaround, I'm sure, was relying on picking off Illinois as often as possible, and Illinois just, it's better than, they got better overnight, to say the least. I mean, we could be living in a world where Nebraska is the worst team in the Big Ten West in not too distant a future. I know you're here for it. Uh, well, I mean, they don't want to because he's a beloved alum, but if 2021 goes anything similar to 2020, they will pull that trigger on Scott Frost. He has not been impressive Speaking at, speaking Nebraska as the uh, the uh, the transfer portal official that I am, uh, they lost their best offensive player in the portal to Kentucky, and it's it's just not looking up for them, man. It's it's really not. They are Nebraska is just not looking. It's not looking good, uh, Coach. You got anything to add? I think I called that one too. Yeah, coach, you got anything to add on the addition of Burt? Yeah, I, I like it. I, I think it's I think it's gonna be a good fit. I mean, for all the reasons you guys illustrated, just because he, he's got a good reputation mm-hmm. and, and good knowledge of the mm-hmm. conference. And I, I think he's I think he also uh, had a learning experience at Arkansas. Um, realized that okay, maybe maybe I can't just cram the Wisconsin offense anywhere I want to. Maybe I do have to be a little bit different. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good pickup, and I think that I think he's hiring a pretty good staff considering where he's at. All things considered, yeah, he's hired he, he's hired a pretty good staff, and he's also been able to 
uh, pick up. Um, you know, he, he should be solid in recruiting as well. He's actually an Illinois native. He went to Iowa, coached at Wisconsin for a long time, but he's actually from the state of Illinois. Originally. This is the best hire so far of the six we've talked about. Yeah, well, I'd say obviously he's, Tennessee didn't hire anybody. I'd say him, him one, and Clark Lee too. I think are are, are the two that stick out to me the most. Oh. Um, so let's talk about our last Power Five job here, um, which uh, was Arizona. Kevin Sumlin was unceremoniously dismissed after three seasons. Uh, three, three long, three long forgettable seasons or unforgettable depending on how much of a wildcat fan you are uh seasons at arizona up in tucson nine and 20 six and 17 in conference this year they were over their record got worse and worse every year he went from being five and seven to being four and eight to being uh uh oh and five before getting canned this year he is supplanted by Jed Fish, who was most recently the quarterback's coach of the New England Patriots. Fish himself uh, actually holds a career record of 1-1, one one, uh, where he was the interim head coach at UCLA after Jim Moore Jr. was fired back in 2016, 2017, whatever year that was. Uh, he won the final their final conference game of the year and then uh, lost the bowl game. But Fish hasn't been in college football since then. He's an interesting hire nonetheless, Josh. Th- you know, someone was someone, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I thought someone was going to be perfect for Arizona. And he just bombed about as bad as I did on my job interview this morning. So Ooh, sorry it, to hear that. Yeah, pretty rough, man. Pretty rough. Um Oof. so A, Josh, what happened at Arizona? B, is Jed Fish the answer? Well, I think from what happened, it became very obvious, and that is Kevin Sumlin is trotting out the exact same thing that he was doing at Houston. And the game's moved on. People have adapted to that um, modified. It's almost like the fun and gun is kind of what he's running, but they've adapted to that. It's no longer unique and he never changed it. And defense just feasted on them. They were not efficient offensively. And he never cared about defense. It's the same issue that, uh, you know, comes up with Sark, where I said you can't have a coach focus 100% of his efforts on offense or defense if you hire a defensive-minded coach. The head coach is the CEO. Like Will Muschamp. Yeah. And so Sumlin focused all of his efforts on offense while not modernizing his offense in any way and totally ignore the defense. So it uh, became real apparent uh, that this thing was not going to last because Kevin Sumlin, I think, just is he's done. He, he lost he lost the uh, the fire in him. And, and maybe getting fired will bring it back and he'll be an offensive coordinator somewhere and, and they'll get an angry and hungry Sumlin. But, you know... It, it happens. We see coaches do this. As for Jed Fish be the answer, um, 
Well, I got to say his inaugural staff is shaping up to be god awful, considering he hired for his defensive coordinator, Don Brown. Oh, we've spent this yikes. entire year saying Bashing. that he's awful. Um, <laughs> another coach on his staff was like Dwayne Walker, assistant coach and defensive back Dwayne Walker. I was like, wasn't isn't he a retread? Wasn't he just terrible somewhere? Like I double checked. Yeah. He went 10 and 40 at New Mexico State. Um, He's got a bunch of he's got a bunch of pro success as a defensive back coach. So maybe he's back where he needs to be, which is coaching the defensive backs. And he, you know, his last two stops have been in the NFL. Except, oh, yeah, he he last coached in 2019. (laughs) So he's been out of. Out of coaching for a little bit, I, I don't, I don't get this staff. Um, yeah, it, it looks bad. I Coach. might be giving Jed Fish an F. Might be giving Arizona an F also. Yeah, that was a terrible, terrible hire. I think. Um, you know, I, oh my god, I, I, Josh, you hit the nail on the head with all of that. So I don't need to repeat any of that. His staff, his staff hiring is. If I'm being nice, it's questionable. I mean, Don Brown, really? I mean, it, it is the Pac-12, so there's not much defense being played. I mean, <laughs> Don Brown could be a defensive legend in the Pac-12. It's not really saying much, but, um, you know, I, I think this was one of the few hires that was – this might be the – yeah, you're right. This might be the worst hire. Um, South Carolina is – you know, South Carolina said, hey, we're going to hire Shane Beamer and then get our coaching staff rated. Arizona said, hold my beer. Watch this. And, well, they they did. All right. Well, before we get into the group of five uh, hirings and firings, we're going to take a quick break for a quick word from some of our newest sponsors. Hey, guys, it's a new year, and every day is a fresh start for you to just live. Travis Pastrana here to tell you exactly why I teamed up with Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, and Paul Rodriguez to launch our new wellness brand, Just Live. As professional athletes, we put ourselves through a lot, physically and mentally. So we found a Just Live around all-natural, THC-free CBD products. Being from the East Coast, I was pretty skeptical about CBD products, but as an athlete, it's easy to see when something works. When my dad was at wit's end, living in a fog of painkillers, severe lack of sleep, numerous surgeries later, I recommended he try CBD. It allowed him to get an extra couple hours of sleep, and it made all the difference to get my dad back on his feet. So don't go another day with pain, inflammation, or lack of sleep. I recommend trying Just Live today. These are products we fully trust and stand behind because we want you to be able to go out and just live. So get 20% off your order with code armchair at justlive.com. That's 20% off at justlive.com with the code armchair. What do you live for? All right, before we get back into talking about the group of five coaches, uh, we have a new sponsor here at Illegal Motion. And that is our friends over at Kansas City Stakes. With a new year comes tons of new big games and sports. And with big games, you need big stakes. Yeah, you do. Kansas City Stakes has has those cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. So visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos for game day. Plus, get free shipping with the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Check out the uh, check out the snack pack combo. 
featuring small plates with big flavor, including mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, sign me up, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped bacon. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home, satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Every cut of steak that you can imagine is gonna be in there, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, head on over to KansasCitySteaks.com slash gameday and use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. I've never had a steak in my life. That's a lie. You, I, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that is such a blatant lie on so many different levels. Um, first of all, a you're from Iowa. You're kind of required to eat steaks if you're from the Midwest. B, Josh, you and I have cooked steaks for each other more times than I can count. Um, they couldn't even get through it with a straight face. So, oh my word. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Oh my word! Um, Kansas City Mickey, Kansas City Mickey, he loves Kansas City steaks. There you go. Um, another place where I'm sure they love steaks, Boise, Idaho, because they go great with potatoes. Mm, Brian Brian Hart Brian Harson is out, as we mentioned. He left for Auburn. Who's in? Andy Avalos, or is it Avalos? This is one even I don't know how to pronounce. Coach. Uh, yeah. The former the, the former defensive coordinator for the Oregon Ducks is the new head man at Boise State. Out of all the coaching hires, uh, this is th- this is the one that I have to give the biggest incomplete to because I will not lie to you, I do not know a ton about Andy Avalos Avalos Avalos. Um, like I said, don't know how to pronounce his name. Don't know a ton about him, so Josh, I'm going to leave it to you to give me some more information. Yeah, I, I think this is a home run hire. I think it's a one of the best. Uh, I've got it second to Brett Bielema. Um, he played at Boise, as you mentioned, so we got that connection there. I did not um, mention that, but thank you. Uh, I thought you did. Um, he oversaw some really good defenses at Boise. And then at Oregon, um, well, Oregon actually did care about playing defense in the big or in the Pac-12. Um, they led the sacks over his two years as defensive coordinator there. Uh, he ranked third in the conference in both rush defense and total defense. Uh, in 2019, they were ninth in the nation in scoring defense, allowing just 16.5 points per game. The Ducks ranked 13th best nationally in rush defense that same year, 22nd in total defense. Um, They won the conference this year. Uh, I believe they won it last year as well, if memory serves. Um, He's done nothing but build amazing defenses in his career. And... I think that he's invested in that Boise program. I think he's going to be like Chris Peterson or Brian Harrison and be there for several seasons. I don't think he's going to take the first job that comes up. Uh, So I think you're banking in another six years or so, maybe even more, maybe even 10 years 
of Boise continuing to be a major group of five nightmare. Coach, I'm going to assume you like the higher than two. Yeah, I do. I, I think he's, you know, I think his defensive pedigree speaks for itself. I think he's going to do a great job at Boise State. Former player, uh, former alum, or not former alum, he is an alum. And uh, I think he'll do a great job there. I think, you know, he's going to be highly sought after. I don't know that he lasts six years, Josh. I think he's going to be highly sought after after about three. All right. Well, let's stay. USC, USC might come and knock it, actually. Sorry, Ooh. man. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, let's stay in the Mountain West. <laughs> Clay Helton has some dirt on USC. He just, <laughs> just keeps blackmailing presidents and ADs. Um. In the Mountain West, Utah State uh, got rid of Gary Anderson for the second time. Um, <laughs> well, the first time he left voluntarily. This time he left uh, kicking. I don't say kicking the screen, but uh, he gone after two it, his seasons. His key card didn't work when he came to the building. Yeah, he went 7-9, 6-5 in conference this time around. Overall for his career at Utah State, he was 33-33, and 33, uh, 22-18 uh, in conference. Why was he fired? Well, he's fired because he's Gary Anderson. We don't really need to say <laughs> much more than that. And they went and replaced, replaced him with another Anderson, uh, one who I quite frankly feel is a, quite an upgrade, at least when it comes to coaching acumen. That is Blake Anderson from Arkansas State. While Arkansas State over the last two years is not quite the program that they were from about 2015 to 2018, he's still a very good coach who went 51 and 37 at Arkansas State, uh, 38 and 18 in conference. And Blake Anderson's always been someone I thought is a very resourceful coach, Corey. And, you know, I think this is an improvement, but I think the one thing we have to be concerned about for Blake. Blake is the fact that, you know, he's a guy who spent most of his life in the mid to deep South and going out West will be uh, a little bit different for him. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an adjustment, but hopefully, you know, hiring staff wise, I, I think maybe he'll get some guys that will help him be familiar with the territory. Some some stopgap guys until he gets comfortable, kind of like what uh, Harson did uh, at Auburn. Uh, I don't. I don't think either of those two uh, coordinators that Harson hired were long term. I, I don't think the same uh, for Blake Anderson's staff. But I mean, I think you, Utah State did a great job hiring here. Uh, Blake Anderson had a stronghold on on the Sun Belt for for a while there um, at Arkansas State. Uh, great recruiter uh, in the in the Group of Five level, and and I, I think he's going to be somebody that is going to. Uh, help make the the Mountain West extremely competitive. I mean, you got uh, Avalos at, at Boise State. You have two home runs in this conference uh, as far as coaching hires. It's going to be a fun conference to watch. You know, you've got San Jose State, who's finally uh, figured some things out. You've got Utah State now, who made a great hire, and, and, and Blake Anderson. We'll see if he can get it going. Boise State uh, replacing Brian Harson, who, who did a good job. Not a great job, but not a bad job either, but – uh, they replace him with, I think, an even better option in, in, in Avalos, and then uh, you, you know, you've got some of the other guys that are that are there um, currently, and and so it's it's, it's going to be a fun conference to watch. So I think Blake Anderson is going to do a hell of a job at Utah State. Uh, just going to kind of see how his hiring uh, goes as far as his coordinators and and who he's got and who he gets on staff, how he recruits. Can he can he cut into Utah's recruits? Can he cut into 
you know, BYU's recruits a little bit. Can he compete with those with those teams? And uh, can he compete uh, mainly with BYU? I guess because they're 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 the uh, they're the comp there in in the state of, of Utah uh, with Kalani Sataki. So uh, I'm excited for Utah State. I'm excited to see what they can do. They're showing that they are uh, serious about football and that uh, the Gary Anderson round two was a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, I mean, uh, 2020 Arkansas State was Blake Anderson's worst team there, but, you know, 2020 was a screwball season for a million reasons. Um, So I don't know if you can count that one. Every other year he's been there, he's won at least seven games overall and has won at least five games in conference. Um, They usually scheduled uh, some pretty tough games. I think they get the Razorbacks quite a lot. So kind of makes sense that they would take a few lumps in the non-conference and then turn it on. Um, won the division three times, won the conference twice. And yeah, I think he's just a rock-solid coach. I think the other thing with him is, you know, his wife had her major battle with cancer before ultimately losing it. I think that brings some levity to this sport. And I think it brings uh, just something different to him as a coach. And I think that regardless of the wins and losses, and I think for Utah State, he will bring plenty of wins. But you think about the education that he will bring for those Utah state players about like what life means, what family means, what football means and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know if you could have hired a better person. I agree with that wholeheartedly, Josh. And so uh, let's talk then about the job that he left at Arkansas state. They went out and hired uh, assistant to the head coach from Alabama, not assistant head coach, assistant to the head coach, Butch Dwight Jones. Truth? Oh, <laughs> Brick by brick. Um, he uh, formerly uh, coached at Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Central Michigan, uh, compiling a record of 84 and 54, going 47 and 36 in uh, those three conferences. Most of his wins in the group of five. So great fit for this level. Um, I, I don't know how he'll do uh, at Arkansas State, but, um, you know, hopefully he. He took notes while he was uh, while he was playing the Dwight Schrute role. Uh, maybe he stole a couple of pages off of Saban's desk while he was cleaning it and dropping off his dry cleaning. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you know Butch Jones. We we had some fun at his expense with the way 2017 went at Tennessee and how it just bottomed out and he gets fired at that 0 and six mark in conference, but. Uh, this is a guy 30 games above 500. 50 of his 84 wins comes in the group of five, where between Central Michigan and Cincinnati, he won four conference titles and had Central Michigan in 2009. Central Michigan end the year in the poll, both coaches and AP. And even at Tennessee, as much as we like to make fun of the tenure, He's above 500 overall. Jeremy Pruitt can't say that. And in 2015, 2016, 
back-to-back nine-win seasons. He had improved that program before it hit a wall and kind of fell apart. And God, I remember that tax layer bowl. They they put up about a bajillion points on the Hawkeyes. So I really like this hire, actually. And I, I you know, I, I poked fun at him, too. I mean, it was easy, too. And it was funny the way the wheels fell off at Tennessee. But um, this guy knows how to coach. This is a pretty good hire for Arkansas State. Uh, my question is if he, you know, let's say he shoots out of cannon in his first two years, he wins like 20 games. Um, he's probably not going to hang around. I think if you're a power five school and you see how he did when he finally got a power five job, you might want to hit the pause button. Yeah, but there's a difference between Arkansas State and the Sun Belt and say, you know, rice in a higher group of five or even you know the american like he, well, he, he was could at be, cincinnati yeah yeah C- i mean cincinnati's a well-respected program yeah um, in, in g5 even even before luke fickle it, it was still it's been yeah. well respected since brian kelly yeah um it, it's 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 a you know that was a that was a great litmus test yeah. for for the next level. There's there's a few of these G five jobs that I think are great litmus tests for for Power Five. Boise is one of them. Arkansas State's one of them. And Cincinnati's one of them for sure. Uh, UCF maybe I don't know. Um, given given what we've seen out of Scott Frost, maybe that's not such a such a great uh, such a great uh, example. But Memphis. They're one. They're one and one. I think. I think Norvell will eventually do a great job at Florida State. I think uh, he's done really well in the transfer portal, getting Mackenzie Milton and a few other guys in the transfer portal. Uh, so Florida State is. Uh, they are fixing. Some, they're repairing some things. They've got a lot to repair, but they're 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 doing it. So, um, but yeah, Butch Jones. I don't know. I mean, in two years, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe he does get one of those jobs. Maybe he goes to Nebraska and, and absolutely and wins the Big Ten. Who knows? I mean, you know, as much crap as that guy's been through, uh, it, it is as easy as it is to make fun of him and and poke fun and uh, you know laugh at him for being Dwight Schrute. Uh, <laughs> he is still a good coach. Uh, things went south at Tennessee, um, and and I think a lot of knowing what we know about Tennessee now, a lot of it's kind of making sense as to why do coaches struggle there? Um, because it, it's, you know, it might be the program. It might be the university. You know, you never know. There's a lot of factors that go into why coaches struggle at certain places and why they don't struggle at other places. You know, uh, I, I just hope that he finds that uh, beating to death cliches. I hope he learned at least that uh, cramming cliche after cliche after cliche down people's throats doesn't work. If he learned that, I think he'll he'll go a long way. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's head down to Southern Miss, where Jay Hobson lasted all of one game this season uh, after going uh, 28-23. Didn't their first interim coach then also take a job? Yeah. Austin Peay. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Austin P. Yeah. Scotty Walden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So after I think after he got COVID, he just said, screw it. <laughs> Um. Well, after all that tumult in Hattiesburg, they've ended up with Will Hall, who mo- most recently has been the offensive coordinator at Tulane. 
Uh, he's a young one, guys. He's thirty three. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's a great I think it's a great hire. They need some good young energy down there. I, I think he did a good job at Tulane. Will Hall did. I think uh, Willie Fritz is his Wikipedia profile says he's forty. <laughs> oh, I was. Oh, you know what? I, you know That's what? Still I'm, not that old. I'm thinking of Kane, I'm thinking Kane of Kane Womack. Who we're going to talk about here in a minute. He's 33. <laughs> well, yeah, South Alabama needs some good young um, energy too. But um, so no, I, I think Will Hall did a, did a tremendous job at Tulane under Willie Fritz. I, I think he's going to bring a breath, a breath of fresh air into that program. Uh, he stays in that area that that Louisiana South Mississippi area. Uh, so I, I think the recruiting base that he has and is established at Tulane, I think he'll be able to really hold on to as head coach at Southern Miss. It's all going to come down to kind of who he hires uh, on his staff. Can can he uh, can he get a staff in there that's going to uh, help him dominate Conference USA? Uh, what you know, it, how much of uh, how we're going to find out really uh, how much of the the recent Tulane offense was. Uh, a combination of him and, and Willie Fritz. We're going to find out what the percentages of that were. This is kind of like a B enemy situation where it's really kind of Willie Fritz's offense, but Will Hall maybe put his own twist to it. We're going to find all of that out. I think it's a great hire. Uh, I, th- I think he will do well relatively at Southern Miss. I, you know, obviously, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think Southern Miss is going to be a playoff team by any stretch, but. <laughs> um, I think he will do, I think he will do well, and I think he will. Uh, I think he'll get a a uh, an upgrade in head coaching jobs in about, I'll say, five years. Uh, I think he has the potential to do extremely well um, because I see Tulane OC and I'm like, well, we we've been liking Tulane now for the last few years, so let's learn more about him. And that's why I was on his Wikipedia page, Matt, when you mentioned uh, mentioned his age. So, so you're saying he's a man. <laughs> he's 40 well here's some cool stuff first of all he's from the state of mississippi so right away get that kind of like um sentimental boost we always kind of root for people that go back to their home towns home states um but he'll know more about southern miss obviously than the three of us because he's from the state and he spent really his entire career down in the south now he's got head coaching experience He's 56 and 20 down there in D2. He's won three Golf golf South titles. He's been a two-time coach of the year. And he won uh, the uh, his conference three times. Uh, twice with West Alabama and once with West Georgia. So... Uh, this is not just some career coordinator who it's uh, a retread hire for Southern Miss and just kicking kicking dirt on something new and, and see if it works. Uh, this guy is an up-and-comer at 40, but he's also got some incredible work already under his belt at the D2 level. So I'm actually really excited for this hire. I had never heard of Will Hall prior to this. When I got when I did the research, I got really excited for both him and Southern Miss. I, I think this is a sleeper home run hire. All right. Well, I like to hear that. Um, let's head the mustard buzzards. Let, let, let's head from the mustard buzzards uh, just to the next state over to Monroe, Louisiana, 
Peace. where Matt Vieter, he gone. Uh, that's because going zero and ten will really do that to you. Uh, not like his record was all that great before coming into the season, but uh, after four years, uh, he was in, whoa and ten. Yeah, uh, nine, finishing his career nineteen and thirty nine, fifteen and twenty four in conference. Uh, they pulled Terry Bowden out of the Social Security line to uh, bring him in to be the newest head coach at Ewell Monroe. Guys, Bob, Bobby Bowden's the new offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, guys. He, he's old enough that he still has ties in his head coaching record. There we go. Uh, well, uh, he, uh, just he went once he's his in his career one seventy five, one fourteen, and two. Well, I'll tell you right away why he got hired. You just mentioned Matt Vieter's record; it was awful nineteen thirty nine, zero and ten this year. So why Terry Bowden? Why does he fix that? Well, Terry Bowden brought Akron back to relevance. When he was hired at Akron, they were coming off the Rob Ionello era, which was 2-22, and 1-15 and 15 in conference. What did Terry Bowden do? 35-52. and 52. Okay, that's not that great, but he had a 1-11 season to start. But he got Akron to two bowl games, won a division title. He brought stability he is a professional coach. He knows how to run a program. That's what ULM needs right now. Well done. Uh, if, if if that's what they need, then I'm glad that that's what they got. Uh, maybe it'll be a prosperous hire. It's not a long-term hire uh, by any stretch, but if you really think about it, what group of five uh, school makes long-term hires because either A, they're going to – or there's three options you're going to – a, uh, kick ass and, and be a uh, power five head coach very soon. B, uh, you're just hired to bring stability and you're going to retire in three years for, and get it ready for the next guy. Or C, you completely flame out and go back to being an assistant somewhere. So there you go. Not surprised. Glad they, glad they, uh, glad they were able to make it happen though. Yeah, good hire. Good hire. All right. South Alabama. Steve Campbell is gone. It's South Alabama. Who really cares? They brought in Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator at Indiana, uh, who was also an alum of South Alabama, is 33 years old, and has, you know, uh, obviously a lot of promise. If you watch Indiana this year, you know, their defense was outstanding. And. You know, he's an alum, and this should be, you know, a uh, – I, I think this has this has a lot of potential, Josh. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, again, another alum. Whenever you're a struggling program, why not go to, uh, to someone who knows your program? Uh, he actually coached at South Alabama previously. He was a defensive coordinator there under Joey Jones. Uh, one of the years he, they went 6-7. Uh, and looking at some of their defensive performances, I'm seeing uh, a fair number of games where they're holding opponents to pretty low numbers. So that kind of caught my eye. The next year he was there, uh, they went four and eight. But again, looking at the schedule, I- I've seen a lot of games where they're holding opponents uh, in the 20s, and it's you know, it's not necessarily his fault that the the team struggled. 
you know, for instance, in their final game of the year, they lost 22-17. You sort of figure you hold opponents to 22 points, you're doing something good. Uh, they also lost to Louisiana Lafayette that year when they were still called Louisiana Lafayette, 1914. So I think he's he clearly knows defense. He learned from a really good coach in, in Tom Allen, and now he's heading home. I think it's it's a very interesting hire, something to maybe keep an eye on. His age is the one thing that gives you pause. I mean, I, I certainly that's a year younger than me. I don't think I would know how to be a head coach right now at a major football program in the in the highest level of D one football. I mean, Josh, you are a a, a department chair at a, uh, a at an institution of moderate learning. Yeah, we we try and do some learning at school. That's for sure. <laughs> is that what is that what we're calling it now? Learning? Well, I mean, it's yeah. like higher learning. I mean, <laughs> at my school, it's definitely higher learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I, I think I think your your school and Josh's school have some different issues facing the student bodies. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like this hire. I'm I'm not going to go into it uh, like Josh did, but I, I like this hire uh, because. Right now, I, I trust anybody that Tom Allen wants to send my way. Um, I, I trust a, a guy that's shown results um, at that university on de- uh, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, the guy knows his way around uh, Mobile. He's going to make South Alabama uh, the most exciting thing uh, in town uh, and not the Senior Bowl. So I, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a good hire for them. I think they're going to like it, um, and I think he'll do a great job there. All and right. He's young. Well, let's head then to the single most puzzling coaching change of the entire offseason to wrap up the show. I don't understand why Marshall got rid of Doc Holliday. They let his contract expire. All he did was go 85 and 54, 55 and 30 in conference. They won their division this year. Did they win the conference this year? I think he he might have been the coach of the year again in the conference this year. For the life of me, they, they lost I, the conference title game to UAB. Okay, lost the conference title game to UAB, so they made it to the conference title game. For the life of me, I do not understand this move, and they're replacing him with Charles Huff. <laughs> a running backs coach from Alabama, not Charlie Huff, the former major league uh, knuckleballer. That's the only Charles Huff that I know. But this this is perplexing, astounding. I, I think this is one of the most asinine moves that we've seen made this entire season. I, I totally agree with you, Matt. Um, it makes literally no sense. Um, you're wondering maybe... There was some behind-the-scenes politicking going on. Um, we've seen coaches get cr- caught in the crosshairs with that before. Um, it, I guess if you want to play devil's advocate, you would say, well, they haven't won the conference since 2014. He's in his mid-60s. Um, but he was a rarity. He, he was a constant winner. Uh, I mean, you look at these win totals. He takes over the program, goes five wins, seven wins, five wins, and then started in 2013. He, he just rips these off. 10, 13, 10, graduates a really good class, drops under three wins in 2016, but then back at it in 2017. 
eight, nine, eight, and then seven wins this year. Why are you turning your back on a consistent winner when you're a Conference USA team? Marshall's not an easy place to recruit to. It really makes no sense. And uh, Charles Huff, good luck. Uh, you're an unknown entity coming as a running back coach. Um, yeah, you've got the Alabama pedigree, I guess, but, um, this is truly bizarre because if, you know, with Doc Holliday, you're in a unusual position of stability and a lot of these group of five teams don't have that stability. They have coaches flame out like Matt Vieter or they have coaches leave for better jobs. He was in the happy middle and just dumping someone like that is baffling. Yeah, and I don't think it's fair to pin this a lot on on uh, on Charles Huff. I, I think he's just a guy that's like, hey, that's an opportunity. Let's take it. Um, so I I I, uh, I I don't I don't like how they got rid of Doc Holliday. I don't like how they didn't re-sign him. Uh, I, I think it's stupid. I think it's asinine. I agree with you guys wholeheartedly on that. Um, but if you are if you do have an opening, um, Nick Saban's staff is always a good place to look. Um, those guys somehow uh, figure out ways to coach uh, for the most part. And uh, maybe he'll do a good job. Maybe he won't. I don't know. This is maybe just a big middle finger to Doc Holliday. I, I don't know. I don't know much about Charles Huff, so I can't really tell you what they saw in him. Um, I guess they saw the A on his chest and said, okay, hey, uh, Nick Saban, uh, you work for Nick Saban? Okay, cool. All right, come on, bring it. Kind of like what the Giants did with Joe Judge. They're like, hey, you work for Belichick and Saban. Um, I, I think if you just sat next to him for long enough, you would soak up enough information to to lead an NFL franchise. Uh, so that was kind of, I guess, the same thought process. I don't know. Uh, but Marshall is, I don't know. Why are you being overly political? What? Why? Why? What? What? What's? What, what's? What are you benefiting from that? Like you, you do that to Doc Holliday. It may, you know, the guy's a legend in your university, and you're you're gonna you're you're gonna just let him let him leave and say, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. I mean, what's that? What's that say about anybody else who wants to come in and work? You know, who? who I mean. Obviously, it's a head coaching job in, in uh, FBS football, so you're probably going to get a, a, a line of candidates. But, I mean, you're going to get relegated to Charles Huff. Like, you're not going to get, uh, you know, you're not going to get some uh, power, big time Power Five coordinator because they're going to be like, oh, well, this guy was a legend, and they just said, to hell with you. Yep. It's well, not attractive. It's no. just not. It's, it's tough. Not. It's tough. So, um, to wrap things up, Josh, you think Brett Bielema is the best hire out of all these? I think he is, uh, but uh, but Andy Avalos is a really close second for me. Coach, who do you think is the best hire? I I love the Andy Avalos uh, hire uh, the most. Uh, I love the Clark Lee hire uh, for Vanderbilt. I think it's a great fit uh, as far as what they need and, and where they're at. Um. I really like the I really like the Bielema hire. Um, 
and I really hate the uh, Jed Fish hire. Yeah, that, that's that's the worst. By I, I think all of them are wide. pretty. I think all of them are pretty solid. Uh, Jed Fish and Shane Beamer are probably the probably the two worst. Well, all of them, other than Jed Fish, you at least understand the process that went into it. I mean, yeah, Shane Beamer's had awful luck with his staff, but he had connections to the school. He's the son of a legend, and he's tabbed as an up and comer by most people. So I understand why, why they pulled the trigger, yeah. but it, it's been it, it's since he's been on the job, it's gone horrible. Which which is why, if you asked me when he got hired, yeah, it's a great hire. I, I like the hire, but now I'm like, uh, guy can't hold on to his staff. That's that's troubling to me. And he lost Gunnar Stockton. Yeah, well, because he lost Mike Bobo. Exactly. Because he lost staff. There you go. Case well, just real quick, because I don't know when the next time we'll be worrying about this coaching stuff. The one name not on this list that I think most people had is Jim Harbaugh, but he got extended and people were like, well, why are they extended? It was more of a contract restructuring by extending him. It actually lowered the buyout penalty they have. So next year is his, can you just sign an extension? Yeah. Well, next year is his, it's a, it's his make or break year. It's that simple. Uh, they got rid of Don Brown, who ironically Jed fish hire. Um, but I actually think that, the way this coaching carousel went and what was Michigan going to do? Was Michigan going to chase at a coordinator? Were they going to kick the tires on Gus Malzahn? Uh, I think they made the smartest decision um, possible, which is restructure his contract. By extending him, it helps his recruiting because now people won't recruit against him as a lame duck. Um, It lowers the buyout, so it helps the school. But also, like... Jim Harbaugh had all this fanfare when he got hired. Um, yes, they haven't beaten Ohio State, but he's had like 10 win seasons there. Maybe he finally breaks through next year. Who knows? Uh, but I thought Michigan actually showed some some wise restraint, and what they did made a whole lot of sense when you break it down. I concur with that. I concur with that. I don't. I don't think that they were going to find someone who's better than Harbaugh at this point. So, all yeah, right. Well, in, I think, in a re, in a regular Black Monday coaching cycle, yeah, you might be able to. But there's nothing regular about this season. So, yeah. I think that's where we're going to end it for today. So, thank you guys as always for sticking here with us. And on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee. And our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Hey, Kansas City Steaks, send me that meat. Cut that meat. Cut that Cut that meat. Cut that meat. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.